everybody. Welcome to another Savage Gentleman podcast. We have with us once again, Ryan Mickler of Order of Man. If you don't know who this guy is, I don't know what you guys are doing with your lives, but he's a good friend of ours. We've hung out. We've uh, had some adventures together, and he's taken some time out of his extremely busy podcasting schedule to come have a chat with us. So, Ryan, super happy to have you here today. I'm stoked, man. I, I was thinking about it. The last podcast that we did together, it must have been that one we did up at Black Rifle mm -hmm. in northern Utah. And now we're both on the East Coast, you know, two, three years later. So it's pretty wild what's happened over the past couple of years, just not, not only with us, but culturally and everything else. It's, it's just a wild time, man. It's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It, it does seem unprecedented, right? Just the way the world has advanced, both, I think, at an individual level and just society as a whole. And I don't know if that's a product of modern times and technology, just expediting everything. But it seems like, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago, a person's path was fairly, uh, you know, fa a fairly mild curve, right? Whereas now everything, se everything seems to be exponential. Yeah. I mean, my, so, um, I have, I have letters from my grandfather who was in world war two and, you know, and deployed. And I think about military members who were deployed in that time and what they went through and they were sending letters back and forth. And it would take weeks, if not months to get an update about where things were. And now you have Russian and Ukrainian soldiers who are quite literally TikToking uh, them, you know, rolling up in their tanks. So yeah, man, we live in a fast paced world. It's very, but you know, here's the, here's the challenge I have is we live in a world that I think is globally connected more than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And yet we have a harder time connecting with somebody on the subway or somebody who's in the cubicle next to us, or even our own wife or our children who's sitting across from us at the dinner table. So in, like in many ways, we're so globally connected and technology is amazing. We wouldn't, you and I wouldn't know each other. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have got together face to face and built our friendship. We wouldn't be having this conversation without technology. And yet people are so lonely and so disconnected on a personal level. It's kind of disheartening, man, it, in a lot of it, ways. No, it, it is. It, it is tough to see and it's tough to to witness and even be a part of it because I think we, you know, are, are still ourselves subject to that to some extent. Like it's it's you can recognize, oh, here's this thing and still also, you know, we're a part of it. And, and, and I suffer from it from time to time. And, and you probably do to some extent as well, because this technological thing, you know, does have some some repercussions right and and I, i'll give you my theory my thesis as to why we're so disconnected and it's actually because we have we're bombarded with information it's allowed us to disconnect from ourselves so how can we mm. if we're no longer connected to ourselves we don't know who we are how could we possibly connect with another human right and so we have this technology that's in our face 24 7 that gives us the the uh feeling of connectedness and so we never have to go inward right there's no introspection everything the world is at our fingertips so we spend our time in this you know other realm never once getting to know our own selves and and what that actually looks like so yeah then we can't connect to a real person because we're not connected to who we are 
Yeah, that's a good point. I think we're so distracted and sedated with technology, with alcohol or drug abuse or pornography or, I mean, just scrolling through Instagram or TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, like you're telling me I have to think about who I am and I have to like ponder and reflect on, on where I, where I'm good and where I suck. Like, I don't want to do that. I'd rather just thumbs up and thumbs down or swipe left or swipe right. Uh, that that's way easier. And so look, I, I don't want to bash on technology completely. I just think we have to be very careful. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, I, I think there's opposite sides of the camp who, you know, one side says, Oh, technology is the devil and it's evil. You remember Waterboy with Adam Sandler? Oh, my, yeah. My, yeah. And and the mom, uh, Kathy Bates, I think is uh -huh. her name. She's like, everything's the devil. Yeah. You know? And it's like, foosball. and that's how some foosball's the devil. <laughs> that foosball. Um, yeah. So like there's people who think that technology's you know, the spawn of Satan. And, and then there's other people who think this is the end all save all, which is why we're moving into virtual reality and i i actually have one of those oculus whatever yeah. oculus how is that i saw you Facebook were playing around oculus with thing. it yeah you posted something that you were like hey man embrace the future but so i haven't i haven't de delved into it myself what what are your thoughts on that i mean we've never been a big video game family like we mm -hmm. have no video game consoles or whatever like at all i think i might have an Atari or an original Nintendo stored somewhere in my attic. Mm -hmm. Like, but that, like, I don't have, I don't even know what the thing is. PlayStation, Xbox, I don't know what it is. Right. So we don't have those systems. So I, I got this, I think it's called an Oculus. Mm -hmm. I want to call it Oculus Prime because that sounds cool, but I don't think that's <laughs> right. I think it's called Oculus. And I bought this because I'm curious. Like, I want to know, you mm -hmm. know, I, I'm in the digital realm. There might be opportunities here. And I, and I played around with it. My kids, my older kids in particular, played around with it for like a couple of weeks. And it's been sitting here for like three weeks on my desk. I don't know. I mean, it's cool. Like I, I see that there's some real opportunities. And, and I think that like any technology, if we use it correctly, uh, we, 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 can, we can do some great things with it. But man, I realize the inherent dangers with it as well. Cause it's very, look, I'll give you an example. I was on that thing, you know, playing around with some of the video games that were free and like checking them out. And I like, I don't spend a lot of time on that, but when I set it down, I got into a conversation like this and it was different. It wasn't, you know, like, so here, here's maybe a better example. Um, I'm sure you've had this because you've been in martial arts for a long time, but when when I get heavy into training and I train about four to five days per week on average, mm -hmm. I, when I get home, I'm tr like, I'm training in my sleep. Like I, I dream yep. about training. Um, I go to sleep thinking about like, Oh, maybe I should have done this or what if this, or what if that move? And I'm like working through these scenarios. And sometimes you have a hard time blending reality with, with what's not reality. And, mm -hmm. I, and, and that was kind of the case that was like, even just playing on that for 30 minutes, I got off and I was like, Whoa, this is weird. This isn't, I could see how somebody could get down the rabbit hole. I'm not, I'm yeah. not articulating that correctly. No, no, but... I'm, I'm tracking with you. No, I mean, it, it blurs the lines, you know, and yeah. you're simulating. Yes, that's the way to say it. Right. And, 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 and that is, 
either can be like the the redeeming quality of it or the damning quality because with anything any kind of a tool right it can be used for good or for bad right i mean of course a firearm right is a very effective tool very useful tool, a very necessary tool but it can also do some terrible things as well it, it really lies within the intention of the person who is wielding it and i think the same thing with with this you know vr type stuff is man you could probably use that in a good way to help people work through their trauma or some other some other stuff where you are blending reality or blurring the lines of reality but also you could very easily get lost in it and that that's a dangerous thing and it's something that we as adults as men have to recognize, okay, what is the inherent danger of this tool that I'm using, whether it's social media, whether it's a firearm, whether it's a knife, right? Like, man, I, a pocket knife is super handy, but you know, if I pick that thing up by the wrong end, it's going to bite me. I have to recognize what to do with it and, and treat it accordingly. And I, and I think, unfortunately, things have progressed so quickly that social media, the technology, um, cell phones, all of these, these tools never came with the proper warning label because we had no idea. We had no idea the repercussions, right? When Facebook first came out, it was college kids just keeping up with their buddies. And now it's this massive marketing thing that is gathering your data and it's feeding you whatever information it, it sees fit and all of these things that are coloring your reality. You got to take that with a grain of salt. But if no one has, has you know, forewarned you like, hey, man, here's some things like we, when you give your, you know, when you give, when you gave Brecken his first firearm, right? Like you had a very serious conversation about that thing. Right. And, and, and the four rules of firearm safety and, and what that means. We don't do that when we give our kids our cell phone or some parents do thankfully, but a lot don't. Well, here you go. Here, here you go. Here's you can play candy crush. So you're not screaming in the middle of the restaurant when we're trying to go out to eat or whatever. Right. And that leads yeah, to problems. It, it does lead to problems. And it's hard because it's gradual, incremental changes in your life. Jordan Peterson actually talked about this in a very powerful way. He said, you know, if I wanted to take your freedom away, what I would do is I would push as hard as I could right up to the point where you protested. And then you protested. And then I stopped. Mm. And then I started back up again, right up until the point where you protested. And then I stopped. And you do this enough. You do this dozens or hundreds or thousands of times. And before you know it, you ask yourself, how in the world did I get here? Well, you let people encroach on your boundaries. And maybe you didn't even establish the boundaries in the first place. I've been thinking about, uh, you know, somebody that may be uh, colorblind. Mm -hmm. And there's cool technology where you, you can put on a pair of glasses and these individuals can see color for the first time, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And it's, I am at like, I'm not colorblind, but I imagine if you put glasses on and you see all these vibrant, vivid, incredible colors that you've never experienced before, it would be like sensory overload. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, but, but we, as people who, you know, might be able to see colors, the way that we've been seeing it forever, like it doesn't seem all that special to us, right? And, and that's kind of the point. It's that old adage of the, the, the boiling frog where, mm -hmm. you know, you put, it in, you put it in when it's cold and you gradually heat it up and the frog won't jump out, right? Yep. And I think that's what's happening now. And it really begs the question, do we have our own boundaries established and do we have mm. something to measure 
the encroachment against. So my family and I, we moved, you, and you've been out to our place here. Mm -hmm. We moved out here um, about two and a half years ago. And, you know, when I get off the conversation with you today, uh, I'm going to go down and I'm going to have lunch with my family and we're going to spend time together and it's snowing outside, but we might go for a walk and we might play and we might just enjoy each other's company. And that, what that does is that gives me a reset so that I come back to technology, which I'm very immersed in because of my mm -hmm. line of work. And I can realize that this is not entirely real, or at least I can see it for what it is relative to the other things that are important to me, like family and training and physicality and making sure that I have the provisions I need to take care of my family if stuff hits the fan. So I, I think we need to balance it out with real life and real interactions and you know, hanging with some real friends and having some real conversations. This stuff's valuable, but only to the extent that we can balance it out with the real interaction that we all crave as humans. Well, and I think that's where we have to maybe remind ourselves or remind people where that value is, right? And I love this, the concept of like setting boundaries. And I know you have some, um, you know, the concept of like non-negotiables when you're planning out your day where you're like, nope, no matter what, this is happening, you know, come hell or high water, these it's non-negotiable like this this has to occur today um and, and i think that's really important both on a daily spectrum and just on a more broader stroke right with with how we how we go about our lives but recognizing the value in an actual experience as opposed to a visual uh a virtual or digital experience right because again this is value like you and i we are having an experience this is real real life right 100 percent but I can't exist solely on a Zoom call or, you know, on this laptop. I also have to touch and feel and taste and smell. I have to like have my lungs bleed a little bit to remind me like, oh man, maybe I'm not as good as this thing as I thought I was. I need to get cross-faced on the mat to remind myself, hey, I'm not, I am neither invincible nor am I made out of glass, right? And, and the longer you, from my experience, the longer you go without like getting these, you know, IRL in real life experiences. Mm -hmm. I like that. The the easier it is to to concoct some fantasy about what what I'm actually capable of or what is is a realistic expectation, right? Or how good you are. Like we we as men tend to overestimate how proficient and how good mm -hmm. we are. Now I, you're in a bit of a different space because most of what your your world revolves around is survival, being physically capable. And so you're you're highly immersed in that. And so I think you understand because you put yourself into some real compromising situations, we'll say, can, can realize that, like you said earlier, that I'm not invincible. I'm not made of glass either. And I realize my shortcomings and my inadequacies, and I'm going to shore those things up. But yeah, I mean, we, we, we tend to think that we're invincible, that nothing can happen to us if we interact in these, these digital environments. You know, I also it's, think about expectations or boundaries. You, you were talking about boundaries earlier. So I was training this morning. A lot of what I talk about comes in the context of these stories and lessons I learned from jujitsu, probably very similar to you. Funny how that works, yeah. huh? Yeah. I mean, there's, it's, it's just a metaphor for life. Right. Mm -hmm. But 
I was training with this guy, Ryan Daggett. He's a training partner of mine, and he's been training for about 11 or 12 years. He's a black belt. Just recently got his black belt about five or six months ago. Mm -hmm. And him and I were training one-to-one this morning. And I was thinking about boundaries. Like I have boundaries, right? Like I, like, I don't want you to pass my guard. I want you to keep you within my frame. Mm -hmm. And if you pass my guard, I got to frame up because I don't want you to encroach in my space. And if you take Mount, like I got to keep you low. So, and I got to establish a frame and keep you down there so I can maybe get back into guard. Uh, but we have these boundaries that we don't want people to cross right in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Like do, if, and if you let people cross those boundaries, like you're in a, you're in a serious problem. Yep. Like you're, you're vulnerable at that point. Uh, and so you do what you can to establish, reestablish those boundaries and then get yourself into a position where you're at least safe. And then maybe you can go on the offense from there. Um, and, and so, you know, but, but here's the thing is like, Ryan, with him being able to train for so long, you know, he, he's able to impose to some degree, his will upon me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, Oh, you have this boundary. Yeah. Well, cool story. Screw your boundaries. Like, cause I'm going to break those boundaries down. Mm-hmm. And, and that, what that means to me is that we not only in jujitsu, but in life, because people do this in life and they're not always malicious about it, mm-hmm. but people will always try to encroach upon your boundaries. And if you're not good at maintaining your frame and keeping your boundaries in check, then people will get into your space. They'll steal your time. They'll mm-hmm. suck your energy. And again, I don't think most of it's malicious. Some of it is, but most of it isn't, but that's what they'll do. And what we need to do as humans in general is become more proficient at establishing our frame and maintaining our boundaries so we don't get encroached upon and we can exert our will and do the things that we want to do in life. Absolutely. But in order to do that, though, we have to have a very raw honesty with ourselves. We have to have a, a real conversation about, okay, what just happened here, right? Because I can kid myself and say, oh, man, you know, I just... I, I didn't roll too good today because, you know, my stomach is a little jacked up. You know, I had some weird sausage for breakfast. And so that's why this dude kicked my ass, right? Or whatever, right? We can make all these, you know, excuses to help inflate our ego, but it's not doing us any favors. It's not a, a, a real look at what's going on. But when I see, right. if, if I look at my, we'll use jujitsu as an example. If I look at the role that I have and I wrote like this, I feel terrible because this guy beat the brakes off of me. Well, why? Well, okay. Yeah. He's better than me. Cool. Granted. But, but what specifically did he do? And, and if I rewind that and replay the tape, Oh, I let him get past this boundary here. He blew through my guard. He got neon belly and then, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And I never stopped at these boundaries. And, and maybe I'm too new at the sport to even recognize what those boundaries are. And this is where experience comes in, right? Where, well, I have to go and physically do the thing, learn from the mistakes. And, and, and maybe I have a coach, maybe I have, you know, an instructor who is along the way explaining to me why and what these fail parts points are. And then on my own side, I have to like really do some soul searching and, and be honest of when I failed, why I failed and how I can improve upon those things. And I think for a lot of us, we're not willing to do that because it sucks. Number one, we're not willing to put ourselves out there in an element where we can fail. So most mm-hmm. guys won't even True. step on the mat. And if they do step on the mat, they only want to roll with guys they know they can beat, right? 
and and maybe or they'll roll with guys that they know they don't stand a chance with so if they get their ass kicked well he's a black belt no big deal right what, what, what is different is when you take a guy that's actually willing to go out and compete in a competition against guys that he could beat, but it's not guaranteed. And now you can mm-hmm. do some real self-assessment to find out where you are and make sure, okay, is my perception of my ability accurate? And that's really all that you need to do. And whatever it is, is whatever it is, whether you win, whether you lose, you know, yeah, we want to win and it's important to strive to win, but man, I, I don't know about you, but have, has going and competing, has winning a match of jujitsu like put any more food on your table? Like put it, you know, has it made your kids' lives marginally better? No. Yeah, no. I mean, no, other than I've learned some lessons that I can apply to real life, but um But that gold no, medal it, didn't, not, you know, didn't no, make your make your wife not. like like love you any harder. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, this is a game no. changer now jingle this metal and man just the world <laughs> falls at my feet and i think about that. all the ladies just come flocking. Oh, yeah i just i just show my gold medal around and <laughs> the ladies just like come out of the woodworks and i have to beat them off with a stick or my jiu-jitsu that i learned yeah i mean dude i well, flash you, my black belt and you know the world just <laughs> just falls at my feet you know yeah well i think people believe that actually because that that's why that's why you see so much stuff on instagram of like people posting pictures of a, you know a private jet or stacks of cash mm. or some hot women you know and it's like well okay could it be that maybe you bought you 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 rented the jet or even even worse is you went to a, a studio that was set up like a jet that actually isn't a jet and those stacks of cash like there's a hundred dollar bill on top and the rest are blank papers and those hot chicks are actually prostitutes <laughs> <laughs> like yeah 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 okay I mean- you Photoshop know, like, is a is a is a very powerful tool. I I yeah, man. I legitimately as a joke photoshopped myself mm-hmm. in a picture with Oprah Winfrey after it was it was right off the heels of doing that reality TV show and just did a yeah. joke of like oh yeah me getting interviewed by Oprah and I thought that it was very clearly you know a, a very silly thing but a bunch of people messaged me after I posted They're like, Oh, bro, you were on Oprah. That's amazing. And I think it was her interview with like Lance Armstrong. And I just crudely cut out myself and put, put, you know, put that over him, but it's amazing what, you know, how easy it is to, to deceive people. And yeah, really at a certain point where we start to deceive ourselves, which is the big problem. Yeah, that's the problem. And one of the things that I've been really conscious of in in the past, I would even say a couple of months really heavy and focused on is the concept of critiquing yourself. Uh, A lot of people will be openly critical uh, about themselves and their performance. So let's just go back to jujitsu. For example, you get done with a rough class and you're like, well, I suck. I'm a loser. I'm pathetic. I don't deserve to be here with these guys. Okay, that's that's being critical of yourself versus a more healthy approach, which is analytical. Mm-hmm. So an analytical approach would be what you just said earlier. Hey, I rolled with his black belt and he did a couple of things that I wasn't familiar with. And, uh, you know, he got caught me in a triangle, for example. And so I need to be aware of how he's isolating this arm. And, and I need to be more aware of that, but we don't attach meaning to it. Mm-hmm. We just look at it with 
an analytical mind and say, what can I do better to improve? And I think if more people took that approach to their life versus being critical, the, cr the critical stuff is where depression comes in. And it's not even, it's not even founded in reality. Like, so if I go train jujitsu this morning and I roll with Ryan and he beats my ass, which is expected, of course, mm -hmm. he's been training longer than I have. And I say, well, I'm a loser. And that's it. Period. End of story. Like, how does that help me? How, how does that serve me? How does that yeah. make me feel? How does the rest of my day go if I'm doing that? And I'm not telling you to pull the wool over your eyes because you also don't want to be ignorant to your mm -hmm. weaknesses and the things that you need to shore up. But if I said, instead, instead I said, no, I'm not a loser. I'm just not as proficient. And I would like to be more proficient. And in order to be more secure or or, or fare better against Ryan next time we roll is I'm going to work on these few things, then that's, that gives you a level of hope and optimism versus despair and depression, which I think is what a lot of people are dealing with because they're labeling themselves as losers just because something didn't go their way or they haven't earned the stripes they need in order mm -hmm. to succeed in that facet of their life. Yeah, well, you know, it's an attachment with, with our, our self to the outcome, right? Which, so, so now my self-worth is, is tied into whatever the outcome of whatever it is I'm doing. Right. And so that's, yeah. that's where that comes from. And I love the way you put that, you know, being analytical versus critical, because on the surface, they seem like they're the same things, but the, the emotional attachment to one versus the other, you know, uh, analytical infers that we, we're detached emotionally critical. Correct means that like, oh man, it makes me feel some kind of a way. And that that's the, yes. the sticky part. And, and it's funny where I know for myself, I'm really good at detaching in certain arenas. So like with fighting and training and jujitsu, even, even physical fitness type things, it's very easy for me to be analytical there, right? And I have no problem with that because probably I have a lot more experience. I've done it for so long. I spent enough time being critical that I learned that it wasn't useful. And so now I've learned to be more analytical. But when it comes to business stuff, let's say, where I'm less, um, less experienced, I'm way more critical when I should be analytical. I'm so critical on myself when it comes to business stuff. And it's so easy to run down that rabbit hole of, of and, and spiral of negative self-talk, you know, when, when things aren't going the way or we're not, you know, make a bad decision or, or stuff just isn't progressing as quickly or whatever the issue may be. It's really easy mm -hmm. to, to spiral there. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think sometimes it, we can forget like, okay, well, just because I'm good at being analytical in this realm, doesn't mean I'm applying that across the board. And I need to actually take a honest look at how am I talking to myself in these scenarios? Cause maybe I'm good here. And then I just think, oh yeah, now I'm, I'm analytical. But if I'm really being honest, when it comes to certain areas, I'm actually not, I'm still being critical. Well, I, I think that that's derived from a sense of false expectations. Mm. <clears throat> so the, the people who are listening are going to get sick of us hearing, hearing us talk about jujitsu. No, but... they won't. And if they do, they can kick rocks. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So they can fight good. us, bro. They can grab. That's us. right. Bring it. What do you want to do? You want to, you want to, yeah. <laughs> um, so how long have you been training? You've been training for like what? 14, 15 years or my whole, my whole life. I mean, legitimately oh, okay. I started wrestling in the sixth grade. 
And so from okay, that okay. from that moment of, of like 11 years old, I have done nothing but train my body for one-on-one -on -one physical combat. So like 10 people. years, because you're 21, right? Right. Like, yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So so you've been you've been in some form of martial arts since you know you were 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And you probably when you started. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but probably when you started, you thought you were going to be better than, than maybe you were, right? Like, again, this goes back to our, Hey, we're, we're, we're better than we really are. This goes back mm -hmm. to what we were saying earlier. And then through enough getting your ass beat, you're like, Oh no, I'm not good. Like I'm not as good as I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And then what that did is that painted a realistic expectation. Um, you're, you're a black belt in jujitsu, right? So mm -hmm. you don't, you don't get that by like, just, kind of showing up for a couple of years and like being kind of, you know, like maybe I'll show up, maybe. I'll... No, you get that by a decade plus of being in the art and then um, being consistent and being disciplined and improving and getting, getting beat and learning from it. And so there's, because you've been in it so long, you have a healthy expectation of what it takes for you to get to the level that you're at. Mm -hmm. Now you, translate that over to somebody who's starting a business or you translate that over to uh, somebody who just got married or maybe they're having their first child. Mm. And what do we think? Like, I got this. I'm good. Like I've been successful in other facets of my life. The business is going to take off. It's going to explode. No factor, no issue. Mm -hmm. And then you get your ass handed to you because you had a false sense of reality about what it would take. But once you're in business long enough, like I've been podcasting now for seven years, mm -hmm. okay, and we have a, we have a we have a strong show, we have a top twenty show in in um, Apple Podcasts, podcasts in the world. There's what tens of thousands There's of podcasts. So many, yeah. I mean, and that, so many. that is for those listening. Like that is a huge, huge achievement. And and I you know I remember seeing when you posted that, it was like, bravo, dude, because you know watching it watching the consistency and, and the grind and you know what I mean? It didn't happen by accident. You didn't just like haphazardly fall into that spot. Like you've worked your ass to, to off to get there, you know, and right. it's a big deal. And then you realize, okay, well, you know, I thought I was King shit when I started, I realized that hasn't how it works out and that you got to pay your service and pay your dues. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, over time being consistent, putting out good content, you know, it's going to happen. Um, but that's a level of maturity in the space. And so I, I think we need to do a better job of being realistic about what it'll take. I think about this when people want to lose weight or get in shape. It's like, you know, you've been spending decades potentially eating like garbage, not working out, not moving your body. And like in two weeks, you're going to throw in the towel because you don't see the results that you want. Come yeah. on. That's, that's <clears throat> what's creating the problems. So here's how you can deal with that. Number one, just know that inevitably you're going to think you're better than you are. Just come to terms with that. You're mm -hmm. not as good as you think you are ever. That's number one. Number two, put yourself around other people who have been in that environment. So to go back to jujitsu, I'm sitting there this morning, I'm training with Ryan and I'm we're, like, we get done training and I like to talk to guy. Obviously I talk for a living. Mm -hmm. So I'm asking him, I'm like, Hey man, like, like, tell me about your journey. Like, like, what's like, how long have you been doing this? Like, what was the progress? And he was telling me stories about when he started and he was training with blue and purple belts and brown belts and they were running circles around him. And in my mind, I'm like, how? Like, you're so good. 
like how are you're telling me that guy's running circles around you and he's like yeah it sucked like i got my ass handed to me every day for like four or five years and i'm like oh got it you've paid your dues mm -hmm. like and they don't ever go away like there's never a point where you're like hey you no longer have to pay dues right no, you still. always have to pay mm -hmm. your dues it's just mm -hmm. different well, it and just I'm like, that's why you're so good because you paid your dues up to this point. And I haven't yet. Mm -hmm. I will, but not sure. yet. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think, you know, as you progress in something and you develop a level of mastery, you know, the amount you have to deposit in order to maintain that your, your dues have become less, right? Like you still have to pay them, but like, you know, I could, I could probably stand to go a few days without training, you know, and still be okay-ish. At, you know what I mean? Like, well, I'm not going to lose my black belt, yes, but I'm also not yes. going to get better. And I'm not going to, you know, if I want to compete at the highest level against other black exactly. belts, I'm not going to be yeah, there. I mean, and if I have you want to go to worlds yeah. and you're, and you're just like coasting, like that's not going to happen. No bro. chance. Like, you right. know that. Yep. But if you're like, Hey, I'm going to roll with some, some blues and purples and maybe some early Brown belts in class. And I haven't been to class for a week or two. Like you're going to be fine. Yep. You yeah. Know? So we, we do have to be careful of coasting to that. Sure, a, a sure. Well, and, and you bring up a great point, you know, this, this idea of paying the dues where it doesn't always transfer over from one realm to the next, right? So again, just because I'm a black belt in jujitsu doesn't make me a black belt in business. It doesn't make me a black belt in raising kids. You know what I mean? Although I, I think I'm getting decent at it at this point. I've had about seven years of practice, but man, I still have a lot to learn. And every time you get a new kid, the game changes a little bit and the dynamic shifts. And so, yeah, this, this false sense of security of like, okay, I did a thing once and guys fall into this too. Like, yeah, man, you know, I back when I was in high school, dude, I used to bench 315, no problem. So yeah, <laughs> for sure. I could still bench that. I, can you maybe yeah, when's the last no, time you got underneath not. the bar, bro, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, and, and, but people walk around what's like, well, here's the thing. If I don't ever get underneath the bar, I can maintain that illusion. Right. And this is where, what we run into where people don't want to shatter that again, their, their, their ego won't allow itself to be wounded. And so they never put themselves out there for fear of, Oh, what is this going to reveal? What is the the truth and the honesty here? Because it can be it can be painful if we've if we've you know lived in a in a reality that is not congruent with with what actually you know our capabilities say. Well, look, I mean, you can pretend to be awesome or you can actually be awesome. Like those are the two choices. Mm -hmm. I, I made a post on Twitter the other day because uh, Stephen King. Everybody knows mm. that's a household name, yep. right? Yep. An incredible writer, incredible author. He's, he's a fellow Mainer. Uh, he, he's obviously had a very successful career in writing novels and fiction. And he posted something the other day and he said, and I'm paraphrasing, and it's, it's hilarious because he, he posted, he said, you know, Putin's made a, a major mistake, a, a major miscalculation. He's underestimated the fact that He's not dealing with Trump anymore. He's dealing with Biden. <laughs> and this is before Russia invaded Ukraine. Oh, that didn't and age I, well. I may, no, I mean, <laughs> like within two hours, it's like, you moron. So I made that, I, I responded back and I, and I made, you know, my own tweet or whatever. And I said, this is a great example of how somebody with a specific aptitude can be a complete moron 
in other facets of his life. We need to be very careful of mistaking specific aptitude for general intelligence. Mm -hmm. But we do this, especially in the entertainment industry, either movies or or uh, sports, pro sports, mm -hmm. you know, so, like LeBron James, incredible athlete, man, like incredible, arguably one of the greatest basketball players mm -hmm. of all time, right? Like yeah. that's, like, that's a what, legit debate we can have. Yeah. And yet there's other facets of his life where it's like, bro, like I how mean, can you be so moronic in this fast? But we need to understand aptitude applies yeah. specifically, not generally. Yeah, it's like I'm not gonna have that guy file my taxes for me. You know what I mean? And like exactly. maybe maybe he actually is like a wizard with numbers. I don't know, but you know because he plays basketball, that's not gonna be my assumption. Maybe you know maybe I talk to him about it and I find out he's actually good at this thing. But I don't just assume you know because someone is good at one thing that they're good at all things. And we do this in in so many realms we do this with our politicians it's like hey this guy was really or gal was really good at getting elected so surely they must be good at you know making making policy or you know well, being the one a leader I heard the other day was the the one i heard the other day was bill gates and he was talking about the pandemic and covid and mm -hmm. masks and vaccines i'm like wait remind me why you're an expert in mm -hmm. In, in, in vaccines and how the body respond and, and epidemics and pand like, remind me why, like, I'm, Hey, look, I'm not discounting what you've done with Microsoft and the fact that you're a billionaire, but like, why again, are we turning to you for this advice? Like, what are your credentials? Well, I'm rich. Right. <laughs> okay. So I, that's I hardly the credential I'm interested in. Well, and then when you look at like, okay, cool. So what are the, you know, what are the, you know, the conflict of interest that may be here as well. It's like, ah, hey man, let's, let's slow down on just, you know, taking everything that this person says at face value, like they're entitled yeah. to their opinion. And of course, you know, if, if you sure. have a platform, you know, I encourage everyone to, to use that to the best of your ability to do what presumably you think is right within the world. Now, again, you may have ulterior motives and I can't, dissuade you from from wielding that power but what i can do is inform other people like hey man just because this person is saying a thing just because i'm saying something like i'm just some freaking guy like i can't i can't control your life for you i ha might have some insight but just because i have a sweet beard doesn't mean i know everything about the world so yeah you know take what i say and if it applies and if it's useful by all means do it but you know it's not law i'm not god you know, but we will we put these people up on a pedestal because we see their face, we hear them talking about whatever, and and just assume that well they were good enough to get in front of a camera, so logically they have to have the answers. Yeah, I I mean we need to exercise a bit more discernment in where we're getting our information from. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's nice to be able to get it on a meme from Twitter or Instagram, <laughs> and you know you can have a chuckle. Mm -hmm. uh, Look, I post memes too because they're funny, right? Like I I follow Babylon B, mm -hmm. and it's funny. Actually, that's probably not a great example because a lot of what they say actually ends up being truth. I just saw next, that you know, there was like two to three twelve. Months. They posted something, and it was like 12, 12 like, and they they were like jokingly called them prophecies, where they were just the oh, most yeah. insane headlines that they had come up come up with as satire and as spoofs. 
but then actually came out to be true. And it's like, oh yeah, man. man, what kind of bizarro world are we living in where you're just like drawing silly things out of a hat to make a joke and then they actually happen? <laughs> I know uh, it's uh it's tragic to say the least, but it's a weird environment that we live in. It is, but going back to your point where it's like, man, we, we've got to place the, the onus on ourselves that we have to take personal responsibility for what we're consuming and then what we're doing with that information. And we can't just treat all information as equal from every single source. And like, that doesn't mean that you have to go around never believing anything like you're some crazy, you know, with a tinfoil hat and it's like nothing that it, no, there is no truth and everyone is conspiring I, maybe, I don't know, but also I, I think you have to trust that there are some people with good intentions. There are some people that genuinely want to help and get positive information out there. And I, you know, I trust you and your podcast and the stuff that you're doing is like, it comes from an altruistic standpoint, right? It's not, you're not trying to bamboozle anybody. There's not, you know, some nefarious plot afoot like you're trying to help dudes become better versions of themselves and so it's generally going to be good information but each person has to take that and internalize it for themselves not just okay well this was this was said so now do it you got to think about it you got to question it you have to rationalize everything you, well but you, yes 100% and you also <clears throat> need to attempt as best you can to try to understand people's motives. So mm. let's take what you just said. You know, I, I, I work with men exclusively. We're trying to coach them and guide them and instruct them, giving them information that's going to serve them better in their lives, but it's also a business. So I'm also trying to make money. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I, and I'm always straightforward with that. I don't, I don't think there needs to be any qualms about that or, or reservations about that. Like we're not a 501 C three. We're a business. We mm -hmm. make money and, and, so when somebody decides whether or not they want to do business with me, they have to know that my motive is to make money. And <clears throat> that's not wrong, but they just need to take it into consideration. And what they need to evaluate in the case of doing business with me is, okay, well, I know Ryan wants to make money. That's not the problem. I just want to know that whatever I'm going to give him, whether it's $20 or $50 or $100 or come to one of events and pay $2,000, mm -hmm. I know his motive is to make money. I just need to know that the money I'm going to shell out for whatever this is, is going to be worth it for me, that I'm going to get at least $2,000 worth of value in exchange for this. And mm -hmm. so we can do the same thing with the government. What is, what is the government's mm -hmm. intention? Or media, legacy media is a great way. Yeah. What is their intention? Is their intention to give you unbiased coverage of the facts? No. No, their intention is to get your eyeballs. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those things are in alignment. Sure. When and it's a convenient. lot of times they're not. Right. A lot of times they're not. And so you need to get to the underlying motive so that you can attempt to understand why people are doing what they're doing and then you can make informed decisions about whether or not you're going to engage with watching the news or listening to a podcast or going to an event or whatever. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think when we can look through, look at things through that lens, you know, we don't run into as much of a, a, you know, cognitive dissonance, right? Because if you believe that the media is truly there to help you and that these legacy media companies are out there to like, you know, give, give good information so people can make decisions about their lives and just help everyone right. out. 
And then one day you finally realize like what, what kind of, you know, that there's been some bait and switch you're going to be really taken aback. Right. But if you recognize like, no, no, this is a business. It has never been about helping. Right. Like I, I don't, I don't count on CNN or Fox news or any of these um, entities to enrich and make my life better. I don't rely on them for that. And so I'm not, I'm not, I don't have height heartburn when they're, they're, play you know showing me a segment on what's going on in the ukraine and then an a, a, an ad for applebee's pops up right in the middle of it right yeah. I don't, did you see that one like the, the air yes, raid siren was yeah. playing and then like i did see it oh man I, I mean somebody somebody probably there's a good chance someone got fired for that one because that was a pretty somebody messed mistake. up but but that yeah. being said it's like if there was ever any doubt as to what the intentions were what they what they were designed for it, it can it can't be any more obvious than that, and so now I can no longer feel like I'm getting the the rug pulled out from underneath because I recognize I can see them for what they are, right? It's it's for getting eyeballs. Well, you can also take it all with a grain of salt. So we'll go back to this Ukraine coverage. You mm-hmm. know, somebody said to me, "Oh, it's all fake. It's you know video propaganda from China and you know 1980 or whatever, like whatever mm-hmm. they said." And I'm like, "All right, bro, like." Look, I'm not going to get an emotional on this, but like, this isn't fake. Okay. Is the content being filtered? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. What we receive as American is unequivocally not what's actually going on. But well, that said, it's not fake. It's not that it's not happening at all. And what that allows us to do is that allows us to look at situations with an objective analysis Mm. that, Hey, you know, like something is going on and I'm going to try to get to the bottom of it. And I'm going to try to get, go to multiple sources and figure out what it is. But yeah, I'm not going to just believe you willy nilly just because I was told that, you know, you have CNN is, is the headline of, of your organization. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to take it all with a grain of salt and filter it through my own processes to make sure that what you're sharing is actually a legitimate thing, because that's what I'm basing my decisions on. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to base my decisions on something, I want it to be as factual as possible. So I can come to the best conclusion as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's not even conspiratorial to think that like, hey, there's probably some things that are happening in this situation that we don't know about. In fact, no one knows some of the behind the scenes stuff, that. right? So, so, yes. you know, to think like, oh man, they're not reporting on everything. No, of course not. It's called OPSEC, man. They can't, you know, I mean, even if they had the information, which they most likely don't, they're not going to just blast it over the airwaves of like, okay, this is our strategy. And this is exactly how we're going to confront this. And here's where we're stationed. And here's right. how to attack we have exactly and- this. Yeah. This many, you know, soldiers, but yeah, tanks no, no. and right. Exactly. Um, yeah, so so that's not like oh man, they're 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 out to get us, and and you know maybe there are maybe there there is some some devious plot somewhere in the works, but but what I have to look at, and I think this is what you alluded to, is like okay, what are the aspects that are actually going to affect my life directly, right? Well, I, I can really kind of run down these rabbit holes, but. What bearing do, do these events actually have on my life? You know, is it likely that I'm going to get conscripted to go and have to fight Russia in the Ukraine? 
I don't know, maybe I got to take the temperature and see, you know, is that a real concern? Um, is it more likely that we're going to be facing cyber attacks? Is it more likely that our global economy is going to be disruptive? Is it more likely that the, the dollar is going to adjust up or down? All of these things are, are more of the implications. And it's not to say that I don't care what's happening to the people on the ground. I mean, my heart goes out for, for everyone who is, I mean, dude, some of the videos that you see, it is, it is like, it is heart wrenching, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this. So yeah, no, it's real life. There are, there are people who are now, you know, were once alive yesterday that are no longer alive here because of what's transpiring. And that's a very serious thing, but I can't actually do anything about that right now. Like directly, like I can't, I can't save those people, right? No matter how many heart emojis I post or thoughts and prayers, <laughs> I, I, I tweet, that's not going to change that. And I think you even said it today, um, something to the effect of like, hey, look, you know, the only way we can change this is by making better choices, right? In, in electing stronger leaders and, you know, being better, more involved and, and getting our affairs in order and that sort of thing. And I think that's wise counsel because, man, I'm not an expert in geopolitical anything, right? So for me to try to weigh in on what's going on one way or the other is, you know, I'm not a black belt in that. Sorry. Don't, don't ask me. I don't, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not either, you know, I, I make my posts or my recommendations or my commentary based on what I know. I can tell you that over the past couple of days, I've had direct conversations with two United States representatives about what was going on and what we're being told and what's actually going on. And that's interesting things to me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when I made that post that you're referring to on Instagram the other day or uh, today, um, somebody said, well, you know, I think it was the guy that said, you know, this is all fake. This is a psyop or whatever he said. Okay. Well, still everything that I just suggested to you still applies. Like, let's just hypothetically maybe, for a second, maybe assume, even more so if it's psyop, honestly, Totally. You know, totally. take care. What I say is mind your own business. And, and I, and I said that to a guy and he's like, well, at the expense of innocent lives in Ukraine, I said, no, that's not what I said. I said, mind your business. I didn't say mind your business at the expense of other people. Mm -hmm. I said, make sure that you're minding your business, that your house is in order, that your finances are taken care of that you're, you're not beholden to an, an organization or a company and doing things that you don't want to do, um, that you have provisions set aside, that you are getting involved, especially at the local level in your school boards and your city council and your state uh, political races. And that when you see that we as a country are electing weak leadership, which is unequivocally true at this point, that we don't allow that to happen and that we make better choices. That's how we put a stop to this. And then not only is it putting a stop to what we're dealing with now, but it's also preventative in nature as well in that we keep these things from happening again. Yeah. And this, this notion of like minding your business, right. In, in order to have any kind of direct effect on the world around us, again, kind of comes back full circle with this, idea of working on ourselves, right? You can't change the world if you can't change yourself. 
And, mm-hmm. and so, so many yeah. people want to want, want to look externally and they're like, I'm going to fight for this thing and I'm going to do this and I'm going to, you know, champion this cause and I'm going to be an activist for these things. And, and, and they're not, and that's all well and good. Like, I'm not saying don't protest. I'm not saying don't, you know, stand up for people and that sort of thing. But generally speaking, before you can effectively do that, you've got to make some profound changes in yourself. You need to be the, a kind of person who's actually worth listening to, right? Or otherwise, you're just, you know, your, your, your shouts fall on deaf ears, right? And so for, for Savage Gentlemen, the idea is like, hey, let's, if we want to change the world, we have to change ourselves. We have to be better men. And by becoming better men, we can make the world a better place. The world will become a better place. Not even that we have to make it necessarily that, you know, when you see a guy who is, you know, worthy of recognition or or admiration, who is aspirational, right? When you, when you look up Ryan Mickler and you see all the shit that this guy's done, you're like, all right, cool, man. He's onto something. I I need to get a piece of that. Like, you know, and maybe they're not going to become clones of, of you and what you're doing, but you know, it's undeniable. Like, all right, man, this guy's got some shit figured out. Maybe, maybe it's worth listening to what, what he says. Right. Especially. And, and this is the, the part that I think I, I maybe respect the most is like, has been the process because, you know, telling your story, you haven't always been, you know, the Ryan Mickler of order of man that we all know and love. Like, you know, that, well, and I'm that still was not a, the guy I want to be, you know, like, sure. Uh, we all have, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's the point, right. You, where you, you've, you've recognized the, the flaw in complacency. And I think that was kind of the catalyst for you is you got to a point in your life, you know, you would, and again, I'm sure you've covered this a lot, but just to give, we never really gave you any kind of a proper introduction, which, you know, I might be that's making okay. too many assumptions. Like, you know what, figure it out nerds. No, uh, no, I mean, there's, I look, I talk about this stuff all the time. If somebody actually cares, you know, they can, they can go look or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all out there and look, I, I'm not the epitome of masculinity or even exactly where I want to be. I'm on the path, you know, I'm trying to improve and I'm trying to get better. And I try to show up every day. You know, I have setbacks and failures and mistakes and opportunities that I can learn from. And I try to take those lessons in stride for better or worse. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to improve myself, man. And, and I hope I can help other people improve their own lives. And that's what I want is I don't want you to have to turn to me or anybody else for guidance and direction. I hope I can maybe point you in the right direction. And then you can start to learn how to make decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. Cause look, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. And, and then what, like, if you're clinging onto my every word and that's not likely, but if you're clinging onto somebody like, I don't know, Jordan Peterson or, or Joe, Joe Rogan, Rogan mm-hmm. or, you know, then, okay, that's a problem. Cause Joe Rogan is immortal. Jordan Peterson is mortal. So what happens if, well, uh, Jordan Peterson's a great example. He got sick over the past couple of years and I know he really struggled. And so if your whole identity is, wrapped up into who he is and he's got his own things that he's dealing with like how's that going to impact your life yeah you need where to do be you... your own man you need to be able to stand on your own two feet and 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 you know figure out how to progress um 
independently, right? So like you can use all of these people as guides, right? You can, you can read through their works. You can listen to them talk. Um, you can adopt their ideologies, but, but you have to internalize these things and make them your own because each individual man's journey is going to be different, right? Like the path yeah. that I walk is not going to be the same as yours. Like, yeah, cool. We both have beards. Yeah. We both have a podcast. Yeah. We both, you know, work in this space of, of helping men, but like, I, I'm never going to be you and, and you're never going to be me. Thank goodness. Cause the world doesn't need any more of this. <laughs> what's, what's going on here. Right. And, and that's perfectly fine, but we can learn from each other. Right. And, and we can take those lessons and apply them and use them in such a way that we can get better at learning the things that we want to learn. And that's the, right. that's really the ultimate goal. It's not because there is no arrival. I think that's the other the other misconception is like, okay, if I just, if I just do this one thing, boom, I'm there, right? Whatever that is, right? I mean, again, bringing it back to jujitsu, it's like, man, if I just get my black belt, then I, I will have made it, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's like, well, guess what, man? Just because I have my black belt doesn't mean I can now magically <laughs> beat guys that I couldn't beat before I got said black belt, right? In fact, now guys go even harder against me. So guys that I could beat are now harder to beat because they're like, oh, screw you. You got a black belt, bro. I'll show you, you know? Right. So, so this, this notion of like a rival of like, once I, what, if I can just, you know, start this business, if I can just get this promotion, if I could just lose this weight, if I can, whatever that just thing is, it, that's not the point. There's going to be more that the goalpost is going to continue to move. And that's, that's not a bad thing. That is life. We, you know, we're going to hopefully keep improving in certain facets until they put us in the ground. And that is to me, the, the, the epitome of what a man should strive for is this, you know, not, not masochistically like trying to improve yourself. There's a point where it's like, okay, man, you're, you're, you're missing the forest through the trees, but to, to try and become better in some way, continually i think i think that's what we're here to do is to and and then by doing that make the world a better place in the process i i agree i'm 100 <laughs> percent. no arguments I'm 100% there huh? on board no i mean that's that's what we're trying to do so i'm 100 percent on board with that absolutely yeah and and actually that kind of brings us to a couple of questions that that so some of the guys in our league of savage gentlemen i um i let slip that we were going to be chatting here in the future and um a few <laughs> of the guys reached out and they're like hey could you ask him about this so one okay, cool. uh, i'm trying to think of what order would be best to do them in i let's so the first one that they said was in in the realm of like suicide prevention and mental health and the question was what can we do as men to make other men feel like someone cares enough about you to get help? Yeah. Uh, the best thing I would say is create a band of brothers and get involved in a band of brothers. So if you're around other men who are high achieving and striving and trying to do good things, then you're going to have, I won't say an easier time, but you're going to have outlets to be able to express your concerns and frustrations. Um, a lot of guys struggle with where they could go to do that because they don't know where to turn to these guys. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about it all, all conversation. Yep. Go to jujitsu. Like just, just go to a jujitsu class. There's going to be anywhere from 10 to maybe 30 people, depending on where you're at and the class size and all that. And all of these guys care about themselves. They care about improving. 
They care about getting better. They care about being proficient. And if I knew nothing else about them, that's a pretty good basis or a foundation on, on what to look for in a man who you'd want in your corner. Mm -hmm. So if you're having a hard time about where to connect with these guys, just go to jujitsu. They're already right there and they're already convening. All you have to do is inject yourself into that environment. And the beauty about doing it through jujitsu is that that's the point. Like they're trying to get new students. Mm -hmm. They're trying to grow their business. They're trying to grow their brotherhood. Yeah. So no one's going to be butthurt about like, Oh no. man, we got another oh, this new guy. guy here. Oh, Ooh. I don't like it. I can't believe we have more people coming. No, they're yeah, like, I've got cool. more training partners. No, actually, it's very exciting, um, especially for the newer members uh, when a new guy comes, because now they've got fresh meat, right? It's like, oh, cool. Here's a dude who doesn't Ooh. know anything. And now I don't have to be the whipping boy because that is the process It you know, you, you step in, you're the new guy on the block. And I don't care how tough you think you are. Unless you have been training in a combat sport for the better part of, of a decade, you're gonna, you're, there's going to be someone there who's going to put it on you. And I think that's one of the most valuable lessons as men we can learn is, is the humility that comes from just getting manhandled, right? And, and, and totally, you know, totally. I mean, and, and it seems weird and it seems counterproductive, but if you've never experienced that, again, your perception of the world is going to be fundamentally flawed. You are going to think your capabilities far exceed the reality and you're, you're, you're living in the dark, which is never a useful thing. Well, and the, but there's also another factor here is for the guys who are veterans have been around for some time. Like it gives them some meaning and purpose too, because mm. what they get to do is they get to take their 10 or 15 or 20 years plus experience and they get to turn around and teach it to somebody. And that gives them a sense of meaning and purpose. You know, we had a new guy we trained with earlier in the week and everybody that he rolled with was very informational, very instructional. Hey, try this, tweak this, adjust this. Here's your goal. Here's your objective. Here's what you might do if I do this. And so all of these guys, these veteran guys, weren't just trying to beat the shit out of them. Like that, that wasn't the goal. Mm -hmm. The goal was like, hey, let me teach you how you can better beat the shit out of me, which is kind of an interesting phenomenon. But well, uh, yeah, yeah, that's the, that's that's where I would start personally. And that's where I did start. Yeah. And, and that's one of the nice things about the jujitsu community is once you start doing it, you recognize that, man, the rising tide lifts all boats, right? And it's like, well, the right. better I can make my training partners, the better they can help me become better mm -hmm. at this thing. And that holds true for, for every other facet in life where, and again, you see this in business quite often where it's like, oh man, I don't want, I don't want this guy to, I don't want my competitors to succeed because they're going to take food out off of my mouth. But actually, if I look at it, it's like, no, I want him to do better. So that raises the bar. And now I have to, you know, improve my own self. Right. Where it's like, I, I, and, and, and we're friends, right. 
But even, even if we weren't friends, I wouldn't have any animosity for what order of man is doing, even though we're, no, of course we're, not. we're, we're, we're trying to, you know, we're operating in the same space. It's like, dude, every time I see you come up with something new, or every time I see, you know, the progress that that's being made one, I'm stoked. Cause you're my friend, but then also I'm like, sure. oh, shit, dude, okay, man, well, we got to level up if I'm going to try and hang with this dude, you know, and, and I look at that the same way in jujitsu. It's like, well, man, if I'm going to get on the mat with this other guy, I can't be, you know, a complete piece of shit. He's not going to want to roll with me. You know what I mean? Right. If I, if I can't give right. him a good look. Right. So in, in some ways that, that like friendly, healthy competition is, is really important. Right. But most people just want to win. Well, it's like, yeah, I can go to a kindergarten, you know, playground and win at basketball, <laughs> yeah. but that doesn't yeah. make me good at basketball, you know? Right. Right. So it's just putting yourself in those uncomfortable environments with the right motive to improve and you're going to get better. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, I, I think that I, that's a great answer for that because it is something, you know, suicide and, and mental health is something that guys struggle with. And, you know, it's not something that, that many of us are willing to just talk to uh, talk about with a stranger. Like we, you need to form some bond of trust and I think yes. being on the mat I mean, forces you to build trust. Cause I have to trust when yes. I tap, you're not going to take my arm home with you. Right. right. Or jerk on my arm unnecessarily, mm -hmm. or, you know, like be a good training partner. Uh, you know, and it's interesting that people, that men won't talk about these issues because you, you as, as you're listening to this and maybe you've gone through bouts of depression or even suicidal thoughts, or maybe even attempts, there are so many more men around you who have dealt with this and who have gone through this themselves and nobody's talking about it. Yeah. So if you become the first person to talk about it, you actually give permission for other men mm. to open up and share and, 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 and work through it themselves and help you work through it. So, but that that's takes really, some courage, obviously. Yeah. But that's powerful, man. And, and, and I think, I think that holds true with anything where we're trying to enact change was like, man, sometimes it only takes that one person. It takes one, one person to have the courage to step forward, you know, and, yeah. and put it out there and, and, and open up the space for other people to, to have the conversation. And I know for myself, I, I came to a realization and this, this, this may help someone. I don't know. This might be too weird and out there. So um, <laughs> bear, bear with me. But, you know, in, in, in the negative self-talk, right, that we were mentioning before and being critical instead of analytical, I, I found myself just kind of in a spot where I was being so hard and so critical and my, my self-talk was so negative that it was putting me in a really, really bad space. And, and I had an epiphany, and again, this is going to be weird, that, and, I, and, and, and I asked myself if someone could choose my consciousness. If someone had the ability to like step in and live my consciousness, would they be happy with the choice? Mm. And my realization was that like, man, with the negative self-talk, absolutely not. Not that my life is bad. Not that my, that, that you know, oh, woe is me, but but internally, the dialogue was so vicious. No one would want to willingly step into that. It was brutal. And so that, mm. that gave me the perspective of like, well, why the hell am I doing that to myself? What good does that serve? And so since then, I, I've, I've been able to like 
just refocus. And when I go there, because before it was just kind of a masochistic, like, oh yeah, that stings. Let's, let's, let's twist that knife a little bit more. And I think as men, we can sometimes enjoy the pain a little bit too much. Right. And we yeah, can get, we, sure. can, we can identify with like, okay, cool. How much pain can I take? We can get real, uh, real David Goggins about it and just see like, all right, man, let's keep pushing this thing. But when it comes to mm-hmm. mental, that's, that's different between like mental toughness and mental health, right? There, there is, there is a benefit to mental toughness and like being able to push your body beyond what it's capable of being able to push your mind and, and your emotions isn't always a healthy, good thing. You know what I mean? Sometimes we need to dial that back and, and, you know, ease up on that, on that pain button a little bit. No doubt. So anyway, yeah, that, a, li- a little bit out there, but I think for some people, maybe that, that, like I said, it, it really helped me conceptualize and, you know, if it works for you, great. If you're like, I don't know, that guy's weird. I, I totally get that. <laughs> um, and then, so then the other one, and, and I think this is a very relevant question, especially in, in today talking about what's going on in the world. Um, how can we regain a sense of balance in staying savage over societal issues that demonize masculinity? And it's kind of a loaded I'm not question. Totally sure I, I, I know. understand the question. I'm not 100% sure how, either. So <laughs> how can we say, say it one more time? How can we yep. what? Regain a sense of balance in staying savage over societal issues that demonize masculinity. So I think, I think, and I'm paraphrasing and maybe taking some liberty here, but I think what he's saying is it's very easy to try and, and soft pedal around some of the, the issues in society that are demonizing masculinity. Because if you come at it too hard, you're almost self-fulfilling the prophecy, right? Where like, man, if I aggressively fight back against this notion of toxic masculinity, okay. Yeah, right? Okay. Well, now I'm just, I'm just, you know, perpetuating the stereotype. I, I, I think maybe that's what they're driving at. Yeah, that's a hard one for me to wrap my head around because I, 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 I wouldn't think that if you're trying to push back against some of these dangerous ideologies that you're being violent um, or you're calling for violence against anybody else. I mean, I certainly don't do that, but I push hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, if, if I see something that's wrong with transgenderism or the way the family court system is stacked against men, man, I push hard. I talk mm-hmm. about it. I discuss it. I bring on guests to talk about it. I, I do whatever I can to make sure I deal with it, but I'm never going to call for violence against that, that group or that person. Um, you know, I try not to resort to personal attacks or insults. Mm-hmm. I can't say I always do that to perfection, mm-hmm. but I try to not do that. And I try to look at things objectively. And I, and I think that's what a savage does, a, a specifically a savage gentleman. If, if you just take sat, let's just extrapolate savage. Mm-hmm. All right. That has a negative connotation to it, right? Like I don't think so. Somebody it can. And, and, and I I've- do, I do. I think historically it does. I think generally people are going to look at the word savage. You know, I know the, 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 the catchphrase now, like I'll oh, be a savage, but I think historically it, it, it derived from a negative connotation, uncultured, uh, reckless, violent, unnecessarily. I think that's where the word is derives from. Um, and I, and I think that's where the balance of gentlemen comes into play. Like we're not out there just to be savages. Like I think of a savage as somebody who is, uh, has allowed his emotions to get the better of him Mm. and has made decisions based on entirely how he feels 
in a given moment. And then you juxtapose that with the concept of gentleman. That's somebody who's refined. That's somebody who understands himself. Uh, that's somebody who can harness masculinity, maybe even the, the savage side of us mm -hmm. for productive outcomes. Like I take violence, for example. Is violence inherently bad? No, but it's not inherently good either. Mm -mm. It's amoral. It's neither good nor bad. It's how we utilize it. If mm -hmm. we're going to use violence to hurt and harm people, that's an issue. If you're going to use it to subdue or, or neutralize a threat to yourself or somebody else, then that's virtuous violence. Yep. So um, get the emotion out of the way. That's what mm. I would say is get the emotion out of the way. Stop reacting emotionally. Stop allowing emotional factors to be the sole basis for your decision-making process and get a little bit more refined. I, I choose to use the word maturity where you aren't offended and insulted and taken back by every mm -hmm. thing that somebody might say that's counter to what you believe. And you just look at it objectively and you deal with it head on but you don't allow yourself to attach emotional response or reaction to it. Mm. I, and, and, and I actually, I stole this from you and used it on another podcast uh, with someone, your, your notion. I think this, this speaks to that, the difference between reacting and responding, right? So the savage reacts, yeah, for sure. the, the savage reacts, right? But a gentleman would respond, right? Where it's more calculated and it's more, uh, like you said, refined. And I think that is the difference. And it's like, look, you can have very savage convictions about whatever it is, you know, whatever societal issues that you feel strongly about, and that's fine. But you have to recognize that a savage response isn't always going to get you the what, what you're looking for, right? If I savagely attack anyone who disagrees with me, they're going to throw me under the jail eventually. You know what I mean? I like, I might be able to put a, sure. few, a few people in their place, but like anytime someone disagrees with me, I just knock them out. Well, I'll win a lot of arguments until I don't right until now I'm, you know, handcuffed and now I can't punch anybody. And so also well, I'm in jail. We do this with our family. Um, like I'm guilty of this. We leave a wake of collateral damage in our path because we want to exert our will and our mm. dominance. It's like, well, you can do that with some tact. Like dominance is one of those, those factors that generally I think society looks at with a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. Really? Is it, is it, is it negative or do you want to be dominant? Like I want to dominate, um, in, in, in the podcasting space. I, I want to be a, a force to be reckoned with. I want to do it virtuously. I want to do it honorably, mm -hmm. but yeah, I want to dominate hundred percent. I want to be the best. There's nothing well, wrong with that. That what drives us to, to excel and to perform and to do what we know we need to be doing. That's so, that's so patriarchal of you, Ryan. How dare you? I, well, so be it. And that's the <laughs> savage side. I well, don't care. I, and I know you're saying that tongue in cheek, I, I, but there's am, people but, who say oh, that yeah. with, in, with like really believe that. And mm -hmm. I don't care. It doesn't bother me if you call me, uh, you know, a misogynist or a sex, like coming from who? You're, you are going to tell me I'm a misogynist. I don't care. I don't care what you've 
what you call me. I'm not interested in the results that you've produced in your life. You're not going to send me a check every month to pay my bills. <laughs> you're not the one growing my business. Like you're not here to serve me. Call me whatever you want. I don't care. And I have enough conviction and belief in myself. That's the savage side. Mm -hmm. And then I have enough gentleman side, the refinement to at least address it with some tact and class. And then being able to build up a, 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 a group, a contingent of men around me who believe like we do and are willing to stand by their convictions. I, for me, I think with a lot of that, the proof is in the pudding, right? Where you can call someone whatever you want to call them, but, but look at their actions, look at their life, look at what they're, what they're doing, right? And that determines whether, it's, whether that is an accurate term or not. You know what I mean? Right. And, and going back to like dominating, well, the, the, the root of that comes from the same root for dominion, right? Dominion is something that, that we have been given, right? As, as a species, like we, we dominate the planet. Now, some of us, we do, you know, we don't always do that in, in the right way, right? And there's a, there's a way that you can, uh, like you said, dominate with tact and, and with, with good morals and that sort of thing. But there's nothing inherently wrong with that. I think that people have got this, oh, this weird notion of like, man, no one should ever be, not even, not even aggressive, but like no one should ever go for anything, right? And it's like, well, as a species, we wouldn't have survived, right? If, if we didn't work to try and dominate the land around us to cultivate it, to make food, we wouldn't be here, right? We wouldn't survive. Right. Like our survival is, is set on some level of dominion, right? This, this planet is, is here for us to live upon. And now we still have to treat it accordingly. Like we can't just shit on this thing, but that's actually not dominion. That's, that's destruction, right? Dominion actually right. means growth and taking care of something, you know? So, so when we talk about that, in the context of, of being a man, it's not a bad thing. It's a very useful and necessary thing. And if you, if you remove that aspect, man, we end up in a really weird place. I think, you know, like, Oh man, I guess. I mean, that's putting it mildly. I think we <laughs> ended up in a very dangerous place because then, then we have uh, countries like Russia and China and some of these other communist mm -hmm. driven countries who really put other people at risk and attempt to subjugate people. So it isn't like a silly place. It isn't like a weird place. It's a dangerous place. Mm, yeah. And it's destructive and it's harmful to ourselves and our posterity. I, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess the weird place is in like, in terms of identity of like for us trying to figure out who we are as man, it puts us in a weird place, but yeah, from a societal standpoint, it is devastating. And that's, that I think is the, the, the real, misgiving or the fail point of a lot of the ideologies that the people have come up with of of you know man we should just all get along and you know there's no need for violence there's, we should be very peaceful and you know i'd love that i, I would love that, that too idea. it's amazing it just doesn't exist it's not realistic because they're all and i don't believe that man by nature is inherently evil or bad but there but you're you can't eliminate greed and you can't eliminate the the thirst for power and as long as there is someone who is going to extend beyond the bounds of of morality 
to enforce their will on others, there needs to be someone who exists that can bump up into that force that can, that can hopefully dominate that negativity out of existence. Well, so I might differ. I, I do differ with you in that. Okay. And that I think man is inherently evil and man is inherently destructive and dangerous, not men, but man, the species, the species. of humans is what I'm saying. Okay. Because we're fallen. And mm. that's my spiritual belief. Like we are fallen creatures and we are redeemed through God and we are instructed to live a life that requires us to fight against our human nature to be greedy and envious and dangerous and want to steal and covet all of these all of these sins that we all fall prey to and we actively have to fight against that like we do and and what i'm saying is not exclusive to men women are just as guilty mm -hmm. of these things the way we manifest it might be different you know, Josh, if you and I have an issue as men, you know, I might attempt to be violent towards you. If we were women, I would be vindictive. I would mm. go behind your back um, and I would spread lies and gossip and rumors. That's more how women would would express that that disdain mm -hmm. versus me. You know, maybe I walk up and I punch you in the face or worse, I shoot you or something. Right. Right. That's but that but both of us have a vindictive nature. It's just mm. how we express how it's it. Expressed. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and 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 okay, so going back to your point, I don't disagree with that in terms of like man, but but I do believe that that mankind does actually want to be good, right? So so yeah, we're we're falling. I think I think that it's that we are, but if given the choice, if we could if we could choose to be good, we would. What happens though is the risk versus reward, right? That that there's a balance between okay what what can i get away with and what what is what what is the benefit i can get out of it right so if i can get maximum benefit for very very small repercussions then then people are going to be more likely to bend that morality does that make sense so the temptation uh, 100% right and, but but that doesn't mean that like i'm always going to choose the bad thing right it just has to do with what are the consequences of that. And so most of the time, I think we want, we want to do the right thing. We want to be good, but our inherent human nature, you know, leads us astray because, well, man, sometimes we think we can get away with it. Or sometimes we think that the, that the gratification, the pleasure of this thing outweighs whatever the, the negative repercussions might be. Or we'll justify it. Right. Yes. So, oh yeah. Um, here's a, here's kind of an age old conundrum. If, um, if you're starving or your mm. family is starving and you go steal a loaf of bread, are you being immoral? Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, technically yes. from somebody else. Yeah, of course you're being immoral. Is it justified? Maybe I guess mm -hmm. it depends on your circumstance and your set of scenarios. It's not always so black and white, right? You know, and I, and I think if I want something bad enough from you, uh, I, I could be potentially willing to jeopardize my morals. And my morals tell me that I'm not going to steal from you. You worked hard for what you have. And so I'm not going to steal from you. Um, but, you know, in the right circumstances, I might say, hey, that guy has and I need um, or my, I'm going to die or my family is. So you're out of luck, buddy, because yeah. I'm going to steal that piece of bread. And Good luck defending it. 
or and and maybe you have some other intentions later on like look man i'll make this right later but right now this has to happen for you know for the sake of my survival or my family and then you know once once that's taken care of and stuff then then i'll pay you back or, or whatever and maybe that's a justification that you make in your head without having a discussion with that person and there's all kinds of ways that we can really do some mental gymnastics to justify our poor behavior, right? And, and, and going against certain morals. We're really good at it, actually. It's one of the, one of the best or worst attributes of, of the human brain is like, man, we can really talk ourselves into some stuff, yeah. you know? And, and, and this is where, again, going, you know, people's naivety is like, man, everyone essentially has a price, Right. There is a point, And when we talk about morals and, and, you know, a code of ethics to live by, and we all think that we generally agree upon those and we all operate in that space, but you're going to have a point where someone, someone can be tempted to go beyond that. Right. Where it's like, man, I lying is bad. Right. And I don't want to lie. And I do my best not to lie. But man, if, if someone came to me and, and I'm just going to put a weird, just a random number, um, you know, $20 million to tell like a, a, a you know, a little small white lie and say totally. that like, yeah, you know what? Actually, I really do love K-pop music. It's my favorite music. And then I get a check <laughs> for $20 million. Yeah, I would do that all day long. Right. Sure. And, and, and so, you know, that's a really silly, extreme example. But now to take that into the realm of like politics and all these other things, and it's not crazy to think that this person who may have had very good intentions could be swayed to do something outside of that. Right. You know, right. And, yeah. and, and, and that's so, why I say it's not always so black and white. No, you know, it's it's easy to say, speak in black and whites and say, you know, this is how I would behave and this is how I would act. But when push comes to shove, you don't really know. So I, I think it's the, the best course of action is to know what you stand for, um, know what you want, and then make sure that you're putting yourself in a position where some of those um, morals aren't, aren't having to be sacrificed. Like I remember, so I, one of my early mentors, he, he had this concept he talked about, he called it FU money. And mm. he, would, he, he keeps a million dollars is what he said in his bank account accessible cash accessible i'm keeping a million dollars in there i'm like why he's like because if anybody asked me ever to jeopardize my morals or 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 go against the virtues that i've deemed important then i can always say f you and walk away from it because i know financially i'll be taken care of and and he shared this story of when he was trying to uh, start his own financial planning practice after working with another organization and he walked into the boss's office and said i'm leaving and the boss said well, you know, you'll, you'll never make it anywhere else and you're going to fail and whatever else and kind of belittled him and bemoaned about it. And the guy said, my mentor said, you know, I'd rather live in a cardboard box than be your bitch for the rest of my life. And not everybody has the balls to say that and not everybody is in the position to say that. So what I think is that we need to do a better job getting ourselves into the position mm. where saying something like that is on the table yeah and we can walk away from something that would jeopardize our morals totally and and again to bring this thing full circle what you're really talking about is setting boundaries right i'm create i, I have to figure out those yeah good point those boundaries but that comes from experience and so so when we talk about jujitsu it's like okay well i've learned enough to know that i want to have these boundaries 
but I don't have the bank account. I don't have the training. I don't have the capability to actually with, you know, withstand those boundaries or hold up those boundaries. Right. So now I need right. to get there. So now with training, with practice, with self-improvement, with whatever it is, I, I get to the point where it's like now as a black belt, it's like, you'd be hard pressed to get through whatever, get past whatever boundaries I set. You know what I mean? Totally. It, it's, it's like, it's and like that, that. It's like that millionaire where it's like, Nope, I've got it in the bank. And you know, you're, it's going to take something extraordinary to get, to get through the, that wall that I've put up and I, and create that boundary. So if we can do that, that's right. man, that's, that puts us in a really good spot where we don't have to be compromised, where we don't have to <laughs> sacrifice our integrity for something and, and, you know, or our honor. And as men, I think that is, you know, hugely important for, for who we are and what we stand for and our self-worth. It is like, man, I don't care what you actually achieve. If you, if you have lost your honor and your integrity, it's hard getting that back. You're, you are going to be in a, in a negative spot. You know what I mean? I might lose a match, but I can still retain my honor. I can still retain my integrity. Right. But if I, if I compromise my morals, then that becomes really hard. And, and now we're talking about a, a major uphill battle. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Well said, man. Well, I know you've got, you said you've done how many podcasts this week? Bro, I've 13 <laughs> podcasts. I'll have done. I'll have done. Th so this is 13. So I've done 14 by the end of this week, because you've got another one. Week. You've got another one coming I've, up. I have one here shortly. Oh yeah. man, yeah, <laughs> crazy. So, so I know, I know. I mean, man, we could we could keep going on with this, and, and oh, always, and we can always run it back too. No, no issue at all. Yeah, no, I think we definitely do that, and um, you know, it's 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 always really useful to have these conversations, and hopefully, for, at least for me, right. And if nothing else, if nobody oh, even listens, if no one even listens to this thing, you know, at least I've, you know, it's been very. We were served. We That's were right. served, and and hopefully <laughs> along the way, you know, some other some other guys find some entertainment or some insight or some value here. And, you know, yeah. if they, if they want to dive deeper into that and, and, and get more value, where, where's the best way to find all the stuff that you're up to? Uh, well, order a man podcast, you know, you're listening to a podcast now. So if you want to listen to podcast order of man, uh, outside of that order, man.com is our headquarters. And then, uh, connect with me on the socials, all, all at Ryan Mickler on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the places, all the things, and and something that things. we that we didn't get into much here, but I but I want to just mention it to our guys and our listeners because it's something that you do exceptionally well. It's something that at some point I'd like to implement for us, but I think we're still a long ways out. But guys are always looking for that experience, right? That that mm. in in person event that thing where they can come and like connect in the real world with other men and, and you put on the the order of men events you put on the legacy events for guys and their and their sons and i've been fortunate yeah. to be a part of those and, and kind of help just facilitate on the periphery a little bit and it's it's really impressive and i highly recommend if you're interested for you listeners checking that out where where can they find more information is there one that's coming up that they could um uh we maybe get the, into the ones that we have coming up in the fall are, are sold out no this year, kidding. but some of oh, those, man. yeah, they're, they sold out last year actually. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's awesome. No problems at all, but it's it's pretty wild. You got to do more events. But if you do want to know if we have, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a solution. Um, and and it's interesting because I have people like, oh, do another event, do this, do that, and I could, I could definitely do that. But I also have a family, and yep. I also want to be present and available. So it's those boundaries that we mm-hmm, talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you want to know, like if a spot opens up or we, we, the next time we host an event, just, just go to orderaman.com and sign up for our emails. And we always make sure that guys are getting information about what's coming out and what's available and all that kind of stuff. So that's probably the best path for that. Awesome. Well, like I said, I, I highly recommend that because I've seen firsthand, you know, the impact that this stuff has had on the guys and their, and their boys being there. And it's, it, it it's really cool to watch and, and, you know, it's, it's very necessary. It's something that's needed in the world. So I'm, you know, really honored that I get to occasionally be included in that. And, and I'm really, we are too, man. We love having you out. Awesome. And I'm, and I'm thankful that that you're out there doing, doing the good work, doing the hard work that needs to be done. And so, yeah, man, this has been a lot of fun and uh, look forward to chatting again soon sometime. Right on. Thanks brother. Appreciate you. We'll catch up soon. Cool, man.